You are listening to the Enormocast. The Enormocast is proud to be sponsored by Black Diamond Equipment. At Black Diamond, the process of building gear begins and ends with climbing. A need drives an idea, and that idea is tweaked, tested, and refined in a never-ending cycle. Use, design, engineer, build, repeat. Guided by this philosophy, Black Diamond has been making equipment for the full spectrum of climbing pursuits for more than 25 years. From the boulders to the big walls and everything in between, Black Diamond makes gear and apparel you can trust when it matters. Visit BlackDiamondEquipment.com to check out the latest all-new gear, as well as a fine-tuned collection of apparel, and get the latest stories, photos, and videos on their blog, Black Diamond Experience. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? You, are you playing here? We're doing the, uh, the Normo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big place. That's not a town. That's a big nice. place. You sold What's it out. I'll say you really should. The hell are you doing? I couldn't sleep. I'm checking the ropes. There was a frayed end on your rope, and I'm cutting it out. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment with support from Maxim Ropes. And don't forget, you can go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Normo at checkout to get a discount on great coffee. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Normacast. This is your host, Chris Kalus. It is about 6 o'clock local time here in Spain. Still in Spain. Lucky me. This is episode 76 of the Normacast, a conversation with American climber Ethan Pringle. Sat down right here in my friend's apartment, directly across from the infamous bell tower. Been dealing with the bell tower. You'll hear the bell tower later in the interview, although I had to edit out quite a few chimes from the freaking bell tower. I'm sure it's going to ring any second. It's going to ring again because it rings every 15 minutes. So we can look forward to that. Anyway, still in Spain, still having a great time, still getting my ass handed to me on hard sport climbing, but that's why I came. So that's cool. Still eating lots of ham, still complaining about the shit at the crags. So really nothing's changed since last time I talked to you guys. All right, a little business to take care of. I will be... At the Red Rock Rendezvous, March 27th to the 29th, not long after I get home. Do a live show, plus hanging around. Probably do something with the Black Diamond folks at the Black Diamond booth. Anyway, all that will be revealed. Still haven't dealt with it because I'm here in Spain and I'm sort of being lazy about that stuff. But something will happen and I will be there and hopefully you guys will show up. There's a bunch of other stuff going on without the Enormacast, of course. Clinics, superstar climbers, awesome environment, great camping, partying, booths, all that sort of stuff that goes with festivals they've got a great site out near red rocks away from the city a little bit and it's a really nice place to be in march usually though i think they're having a hard time right now sorry red rocks people if you're listening to this i think it's raining snowing all those sorts of things hopefully that'll stop in a couple weeks all right march 27th to the 29th check it out at redrockrendezvous.com for all the information hopefully see you there Moving on to the interview with Ethan Pringle. Ethan Pringle, interesting guy. 
Don't know him real well, but I have met before, and uh, we climbed together a little bit in a way a couple years ago, actually here in Spain, which we talk about. And uh, Ethan's interesting. He's part of a first generation that kind of got into gym climbing here in the United States as kids about 20 years ago, a little less for him. But it seems like these gyms pumping out super tough, super hard climbing kids have always been here. But kind of like the internet, there was a time without that. I think uh, Ethan started at Mission Cliffs not long after it opened. Mission Cliffs in the Bay Area was one of the first big full-service gyms where they figured out that if you want to have a good business plan, don't just create a training center for climbers that already exist, but create a place to create climbers to bring your customers to you. And uh, that's really when the gyms took off, I think, is when they figured that out. Don't rely on penniless climbers to run your business. Create some folks, get people into it. And uh, and 20 years later, we're sort of uh, in this new paradigm that didn't exist back then. And one of the things we've gotten used to are these hard climbing kids coming out of gyms and burning us all off on our projects. Well, Ethan, along with a bunch of other kids and a bunch of other big names that you know, we're in fact the first generation. But I sort of postulated that for some reason, and we actually get into it, I think, in this interview, Ethan never quite was one of the cool kids. He was always a top climber. And let me tell you, I belayed him the other day on his project here in Sierra. I don't know, it's 8C something, something ridiculously hard. And the guy is a machine. He climbs as well or better than anybody I've ever seen. Move for move, he's a monster. But again, feel like maybe, you know, he missed the boat a little bit on becoming something of a media giant. And actually, interestingly, that's what we get into in this. We get into the struggles of him being a professional climber, of looking at a life of climbing, of whether it's worth it, of the things that uh, he's weak with in terms of that, the things that he's good at. And it's a very revealing interview where he's pretty open and honest talking about how difficult it is. And Truth be told, I think we look at them, we look at professional climbers and think it's this great big fairy tale, but there are hardships, there are sacrifices to be made. Nobody's getting rich. Oh yeah, there it is. There's the bell. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? It happens all the time. Yep. The bell keeps ringing and ringing. Can you tell what time it is? All right, bell's over. Going to keep going here. I don't even remember what I was talking about. Yeah, we think of professional climbers as having some sort of fairy tale life, but it's filled with sacrifices. I'm not going to say nobody's getting rich because I think that may have just changed in the last couple months. But most of these guys and girls are living hand to mouth and just trying to make it work. And we also talk about how, as a professional climber, you're always thinking about the future, what happens when your performance starts to lag a little bit. So it's a really interesting conversation and an open conversation. And I appreciate Ethan coming on and being so honest about what he's dealing with. So hope you enjoy it. Let's check out the accidental hard man, Ethan Pringle. Look, folks. We all know that ice climbing is a miserable, cold endeavor, punctuated by small spikes of joy, mostly when it's over. But if you're planning on heading to the famous ice park in Ure, Colorado, to climb out your self-loathing, why not up the joy ratio by staying in the Wiesbaden Hotel and Spa? Imagine 
After your third round of screaming parties, you can retire to their vapor cave and soaking pool for a, quote, strange, dark, steamy underworld soaking experience. The Wiesbaden is affordable luxury in Ure. In fact, if you climb in Ure and don't stay there, you are totally blowing it. Discounts all winter. Go to wiesbadenhotsprings.com for more information. Once again, that's wiesbadenhotsprings.com. It's really the only way you'll find me ice climbing. Okay. All right, check, check. Um, okay, well, let's get started then. <clears throat> so I'm sitting in Cornadea de Monsant in my friend Joseba's apartment. He was nice enough to just hit the road and uh, let me use the apartment. Um, I'm sitting here with Ethan Pringle, American climber, lost in Spain, uh, from the Bay Area, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How long have you been in Spain on this trip? Been here since the first of, well, yeah, the first of February, and it's, what, the 25th now? Or, no, 23rd? Yeah, I don't know what okay, day Okay, so is. just I've over three track. weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we met two years ago, almost exactly this time, in Margalef. It was about, I think it was February, early March yeah. as well. And yeah, it was, maybe I, early April, even. Yeah, no. I think I arrived there late March. Really? Yeah. Was it that late in yeah, the year? Yeah, yeah. Remember, I got to Margalef like March 26, 27. Oh, that's right, because yeah. I was here for my birthday. Which is coming up, twenty oh, fifth of March. Nice. So yeah, that's right. That's Sweet. exactly right. So yeah, we we <laughs> met in in Margalef last year, and just think we climbed at the same cliff one day and had mm-hmm. dinner together one night. Yeah. But of course, um, Ethan has been a been sort of a name on the scene since you were like a little kid, right? right. Yeah. I mean, when did you start climbing? Like about what age? I started when I was eight. Eight. Um, in, back in ninety five. Yeah. At Mission Cliffs. Okay. Yeah. The the local climbing gym. Um, I discovered, well, I think my dad heard about Mission Cliffs from some friend at work, and I used to play roller hockey back in the day, and we were coming home from, my dad was driving me home from like a roller hockey practice or um, tournament or something, and he was like, hey, we should, you know, we should stop by this place that just opened. It was, it's only four blocks away from our house in the city, and uh I was like, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm really tired, like, we should just go home. <laughs> like, I don't really feel like doing this right now. Just giving him, like, some little kid attitude, and he was like, no, 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 let's check it out, it'll be cool. And so we went in, and um, I remember my very first thought when I walked in, because I saw all the bikes, like, on the bike rack where the old front desk used to be, and I, and I looked up at the walls, and I was like, how the heck do people ride their bikes down these walls? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, they use their hands and feet. I get it. And then, yeah, from there on out, it was just like every day at the climbing gym. Really? Just initially, you just like went for Pretty it. much, yeah. Yeah, I still played hockey for a little while afterward. Mm-hmm. And um, I was always really into snowboarding, too. And I still did that for years and years like pretty dedicatedly but not not as much after I discovered climbing mm-hmm. like pretty much as soon as I discovered climbing it was like my main interest right. in life yeah and that actually the Mission Cliffs gym was like one of the first really mm-hmm. big yeah know, it's like in a big industrial uh, old industrial warehouse yeah yeah it's in like a time, steel actually. factory old steel factory or metal working factory or something right there's this gigantic hook yeah, like that hangs in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, that hangs to, like, bring above the, the bouldering area. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but so, yeah, it was one of the premier, like, first, like, big gyms in the country. Right. 
So, yeah, I mean, it was sort of back in 95. That you found that. Yeah. 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 It only took about six months after it opened for, for us to discover it. That's cool. And then when I first started, my brother, my older brother, um, Brooks, he, he climbed a little bit, too, when I first started. But then he kind of, like, he was into a lot of their stuff. And I think he was in college, and he lost interest pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But I stuck with it. And, yeah, I just spent, like, every day at the climbing gym, just like a little gym rat, total fiend, just going all the time and um, didn't really climb outside much first couple of years I climbed. What else? What other stuff were you into? What kind of kid were you? Um... I guess I was, like, always into sports, mm-hmm. more so the sports that were, like, independent type of sports. Um, I, You know, I, I mentioned that I did, I played roller hockey, and I was really into that, but I think I was definitely, like, a little puck hog. I didn't uh-huh. pass much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, snowboarding, super into snowboarding. I was just really into, like, the outdoors, mm-hmm. and my parents, um, they were, like, the way they met was through windsurfing they were both like semi-pro windsurfers and um they would they were always traveling for windsurfing and just going taking me on cool vacations and stuff and we were always traveling as a family when i was a kid so um yeah maybe that was part of the reason that i hated like being in school and stuff mm-hmm. so i just wanted to be like traveling and being outside and so stuff. were you typical in that sense of like climber kid who was like not into school, not dealing well? Or? I suppose so, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I definitely had a, a hard time in school um, pretty much all the way up until I graduated high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never really liked it that much. And um, my routine was that, you know, like the year the semester would start and I would always start off really well and I would be like crushing and doing all my homework and acing all my tests and then like... I just would, yeah, just fall off like completely. (laughs) And yeah, it was like a miracle that I, that I didn't like have to repeat any grades or anything. So were you into the comp scene then as a little Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was like, yeah, that was the big thing Mm -hmm. in the Bay area. There Mm -hmm. was like the Bay area youth climbing league or something. And I was, I was on that team and there were like junior comps around the Bay area a little bit of bouldering, a little bit of top roping, like some leading for the older kids. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into competitions. It's pretty funny. I admitted to Spencer and Vicky today that I, I think I cheated and or lied at my f- very first competition when I was like 10 years old. <laughs> I like, I was there and um, maybe I would have won anyway. I don't this know. Is, this is an Enormacast exclusive. Just, you know, this yeah. is the first time anyone's heard about this. We can we can think of some we're good have to like go back and like tabloid we're headlines. Have to, like, fix the record. So yeah. go tell us what happened. <laughs> Admit it. Oh, just just hold on to your butt here. Yeah, There's going to be a lot of admissions. You better get ready. No, I like I don't know. I the arete was off and I grabbed it because I was like cruxing and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I just like kept going like nothing happened and I got down to the ground and. I was like, sweet, I did it. And the guy was, the judge was like, well, I think you grabbed the arete. And I was like, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't. <laughs> and then, um, and then I won. Oh. <laughs> this is horrible. I know. All right. I'm a terrible person. Do you feel better? <laughs> well, you got I. got that off your chest? <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Well, I hope I hope good. I still have my sponsors by the end of we're this gonna, interview. We're gonna, yeah, re- I was ten. Okay, we're gonna. I, I forgave myself. There's a few, or I have forgiven myself right. by now. There's a few ten-year-olds who have lied. In yeah, their, in their lifetime. Go ahead <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know that was yeah. a thing. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was into comp. I was mm-hmm. I was doing the comps. I think that was that was the last time that that happened. Right. Not the last time I ever lied in my life, but the last, um, time, the last time it happened during a competition during or anything competition. like that. I mean, yeah, now competitions are pretty well regulated. Yeah. It's nearly impossible to... They'll keep an eye yeah, on you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they know how you're doing. They know when you cheat. <laughs> they take these things pretty seriously. Um, yeah, I did the comps and, uh, you know, I, I started going outside after maybe like a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I had a lot of... There were a lot of really cool older people... Um, like at Mission Clips right. who kind of mentored me right. and uh, yeah I was really lucky and there was there were a lot of kids too but those aren't the people that I would climb with on a regular basis mm-hmm. like eventually I would start to partner up with other young kids who were like crushing and stuff and um, that was really fun but um, like for the first couple of years it was pretty much all much older people people in their 20s 30s mm-hmm. some some people even older than that and um, let's see. Yeah, I went to Castle Rock at w- at one point when I was really young, maybe nine or something. And then this uh, this older guy who I used to climb with a lot, this guy Brig, he took me to Pinnacles. Um, that was like my first right, day that's sport the climbing. Zone, right? Yeah. That, if you're I mean, up in that area, there there there's sport climbing there. Yeah, right. there's some sport. There's some decent sport climbing at Pinnacles. Right. Old school area. Like right. ground up ethics for all the first ascensionists. Well, because we're we're sitting here in Spain, and, and yeah, and, I mean, let me just say this: it's pretty typical that everybody will just tell you that everyone in Spain climbs so hard, mm-hmm. which isn't true. There's just the same. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of people who climb really yeah. well here, but there's the same. <clears throat> there's people climbing the five tens, and they're climbing the for five sure. and struggling for and sure. Else. Yeah, but the big thing is, is that like, you know. In the U.S., to go climb outside sport climbing, it seems like everything's been bolted and there's shitloads of it. Yeah. But then you come here and you're just like, no, there's not a yeah. lot of sport climbing no. in the United States. No, really. You take all the sport climbing in the U.S. and it's like mm-hmm. half a Sirana. Yeah, right. So, yeah. you know, the opportunity, when because when I, I always ask, you know, people like yourself that grew up climbing in the gym. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're kind of the first generation, I think, or, or pretty close to it that really could start when they were like eight or 10 inside of a gym. I mean, we just said mission cliffs. Yeah. One of the yeah. Earliest big gyms for sure. At least in the U S you know, when did you start going outside? Well, I mean, other than pinnacles, <laughs> you know, everybody in the Bay area would be like, well, have you gone to Yosemite? But that's not the same thing. Like, no, you know, yeah. For a little kid, different worlds. Yeah. Unless you're like, uh, Jim Herson's kids or something. Right. You're probably not, climbing yosemite when you're 10 or sure yeah whatever um and yeah back back when i started climbing like i think we've seen a big resurgence in trad big wall Mm -hmm. climbing Mm -hmm. um that's like you know pretty popular again these days where it kind of like wasn't when i started climbing when i started climbing the thing was sport climbing Mm -hmm. you know and it was like in the 80s most of the 90s like sport climbing was huge and that's just like you know the people that i idolized in climbing like all my pro climber heroes were sport climbers mostly i mean that's just the thing that everybody did and that everyone was like famous for or whatever um so yeah like trad big wall trad and 
bouldering and stuff, the stuff that's in Yosemite mm-hmm. didn't really like it wasn't on my radar at sure, all. Yeah. Sure, I mean sure. I knew that people obviously I knew like what El Cap was and stuff, but beyond that I didn't really know much about the climbing in Yosemite. So, but how, I did go to like, you know, I went I went and climbed on some granite when I was really young, like at Donner Summit and mm-hmm. around Lake Tahoe and at Mickey's Beach. I mean that's not granite, but <clears throat> like I got out to some other places, but yeah. So how long did you end up competing? If you if you went through high school right. and kind of youth leagues did you continue to compete into your sort of adult yeah i did for sure and um really the last couple years i've done so few comps Mm -hmm. like almost none um the last big comp i did was abs nationals 2013 Mm -hmm. so over two years ago right hardly done any since then i've done a few local comps in the bay area like at the touchstone gyms and stuff. And uh, actually the last, the very last one I did at dog patch, I like didn't climb very well and I didn't even make finals. Uh Yeah. They took three people from that day to finals and then three like overall competitors. And, uh, I didn't make the top three. I nearly made the top. Hold on. Wait for it. No, but now it's going to actually do the ring. Yeah. That was what? Four or five. Four. It's like the pre-ring. Uh-huh. We're sitting directly across from the bell tower here in uh, Cornadea. So yeah, the church. Wait for it to go, do its thing. <clears throat> Two more Can't hours. interrupt the bell. <laughs> the recording of the bell. And then when it gets done, it'll tell you it's done. No. Not this time. I think it's done. Yeah, keeps you on your toes. Wait. <gasps> it's just to remind you that your life is passing. <laughs> <laughs> basically what it is. It's just like, that's another hour yeah. gone. <laughs> Have fun. Have fun with the next hour. We'll tell you when it's, when so it's you're, over. So you're transitioning kind of away from competition is what it sounds like to a certain extent. I have aspirations to to go back and and try my best at okay. some comps. Um, it, it just so happens that this year, I, I, I would love to, you know, like being in Spain for a month, it's pretty good training for like even indoor sport climbing. Mm-hmm. So I would love to go and compete at like the SCS nationals this year, but um, I've already committed to be at the Red Rock Rendezvous. Oh, and nice. so are you, you going to go too? Yeah, nice, cool. Nice. See you there. Totally. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like the the frequency of of which I've I've done comps since like I was maybe 12 years old mm-hmm. has it's pro- it probably peaked when I was like 14 or 15 mm. and that was like the arc of it and then right. it went and downhill yeah. in 2012 I somehow got lucky enough to get second at ABS nationals but I think like I expected it so little that mm-hmm. maybe I just wasn't didn't feel that much pressure oh you see they <laughs> they tricked us yeah the fuck it's gonna ring the whole 10 again (laughs) (laughs) they're a couple minutes late it's like 10 oh three the bell yeah i might cut that one out anyway i knew this was gonna happen yeah so one thing before we move on or or, or get anywhere else from this competition thing i'm always interested in is if you're in like a junior competitive league or whatever it happens to be you know you've got 
coaching support and parental support and and I'm always interested in the transition to where a kid who's now becoming an adult says okay well I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing this because I, mm-hmm. I, I think it, mm-hmm. I mean I think bouldering comps and, and and climbing comps are just like any other high school sport a lot of kids do it they love yeah. it they yeah. hammer it till yeah. they turn 18 and then yeah for sure then it goes away mm-hmm. so or even sooner sometimes yeah because they sooner. can get burnt out really right. easily yeah because it's yeah so what did it look like to you when you were like well i think as an adult i'm gonna just keep doing this i mean did you have sort of sponsorships on board like some way to sort of pay your way or or, mm-hmm. or those sorts of things i mean i had super supportive parents right, right? so that 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 was like that helped me a ton, mm-hmm. and I, I wouldn't be where I am today with climbing without their help and support. Like especially early on, you know, they they would fly with me to Europe for Junior World Championships and um, Colorado for Junior Nationals and wherever you know wherever mm-hmm. the comps were, wherever we could incorporate a trip outside along with the comp. You know, we would just go and they would you know take care of everything basically, and then. Um, well, what, basically what kept me in climbing was rock climbing mm-hmm. um, because there was definitely a, a period of time in my uh, teenage years where I just got really distracted and um, really caught up with being a teenager like, you know, most... Shame on you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I just, I think I kept with it just because I loved climbing so much and I loved climbing outside so much. And, um, <clears throat> I still, I, you know, I did the junior comps and, um, and a lot of the adult comps and just because, you know, I, I just loved climbing and I would still go to the gym even, you know, if I was effing off and like struggling a lot as a teenager, I would still end up at the gym and end up outside as much as I could go. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I think there were times where I still don't take it as seriously as I could, you know, it's basically my job, but oftentimes I don't treat it that way, but definitely, like certainly so when I was a teenager and I had sponsors and stuff and, you know, I would like, I'd make a bit of cash from comps and, you know, a bit of cash from my sponsors and that was validating. And so I just kept with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does that do to like a kid's ego? I mean, def- it can definitely like, like yeah, it can I, I give think you about it, like you if you're playing any other sport, yeah, you know, it would be really bizarre to have a kid be like getting sponsored as a football player in high school or getting sponsored yeah. as any other type of thing. But here, and you're not the only one, yeah. You know, suddenly there's these people coming, you know, from outside of your world to say like. You know, totally. you're, you're one of the best, and we're yeah. Gonna, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it happens in skateboarding. Yeah, skateboarding, in all the independent sports, the team sports, not as much. Right. I mean, definitely, you can think you're the shit if you are your high school football team's mm-hmm. quarterback mm-hmm. and you're throwing like touchdown passes in every game, and right. you know, all the cheerleaders want your nuts and stuff. But, well, and the parents, but that's different. It's like I if mean, you're, yeah. if you think like you know, oh, I'm really successful at this because I'm making a little bit of money, and because I'm like traveling all over the world and stuff and it's like yeah it can i mean it definitely went to my head mm-hmm. it probably i mean it still does to a certain extent but um <laughs> definitely not to the extent that it did when i was 12 13 years right, old i right. definitely said some like pretty embarrassing things to people like at comps and you know other like outdoor crags sure. i'm sure when i was right. like a little kid and i thought i was the shit and 
Um, I don't remember what those things were exactly, but like, you know, just Mm -hmm. that I would like, just like things you might think of young teenage kid would say to some to someone who whose validation they mm-hmm. wanted like oh you know i climbed mm-hmm. my first 13c yesterday or whatever like how hard do you climb or how like well look here here's the problem <clears throat> is that <laughs> no no it wasn't your problem i mean you were a kid yeah and kids i'm still a kid but yeah, i'm just a but, much bigger kid but uh, but you know again as the first generation you know um of kids at the cliff because it, it wasn't a kid thing to do before. Like before sport climbing, right. like go, like you just said, yeah. going and climbing, trad climbing in yeah. Yosemite is not a kid activity. Well, now it is, but not yeah, so but much. Even, it's not even really, a little not rare really. Yeah, like yeah, to have yeah. anybody climbing anything super hard. It's a it's a it's a construct of like the gym and yeah and everything. And so, yeah, here's this little kid mm-hmm. who's climbing really well, and and here's the other thing, and in your generation, like you, um, Katie Brown. You know, Chris Lindner were also the first generation of kids who climbed harder than these people who are at the, you know, who can cons- adults who consider themselves really good. Yeah. So I, I think there was probably a conflict on both sides. They yeah, ex- yeah. They yeah. expected you to act more like an adult because yeah. they're used to adults being climbers, and you guys yeah. were in this whole right, world right, of right. like, yeah. Yeah, this like. Totally. Yeah. It's like the ego of a little kid versus the ego of. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, Yeah. you know, and it's like, what's you know? I think a little kid is the the only difference. Really, is a little kid is doesn't have like the understanding of social constructs as much as an adult would, and they're 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 more willing to say, "I did my first thirteen C yesterday." Like, absolutely. How hard do you climb, or whatever? Yeah. Where an adult might be thinking that, but. They know to not say it. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, I think, I mean, I, it never occurred to me until you started talking about it. But again, yeah. like... It's interesting, The though, appearance cause... of you guys, and, I, and I'm putting uh, those guys in the right... Yeah. The right cohort. You're about the same age as, as that crew that I just mentioned. Yeah, like totally. Those, yeah, Chris, too. And those, Charma you guys and... were the first ones to yeah, be... a lot of people. You know, burning off adults on their projects. <laughs> And now we're used to it. Like it's yeah. a, it's a running joke. Like, yeah. oh, here comes the kids to burn off, burn us off right. on our right. project. Yeah, I mean it's happening to me now. Right. Yeah. Well, good for you. <laughs> it's coming back around. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna say it doesn't sting a little sometimes, but right. it's also right, super right, inspiring. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Well, it does. It yeah. Does but no, you have the same thing happening now with like a lot of the young crushers who are crushing way harder than you know we were when we were their age. Like the level has been raised, the bar has been raised so high since, you know, since we were teenagers, but the kids now are, you know, they're climbing 14C when we were climbing 13C. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and then, yeah, it's just like you said, the adults in the community kind of see how hard the kids are climbing and how, you know, they, they feel like they should behave the same as adults. Right. And you know they're kids they're not gonna totally it's just like it's okay <laughs> yeah, no, yeah give them a break it's i think it's awesome good. actually it's like yeah they're just sometimes we all we need to act like kids and totally. we don't. <laughs> yeah. but so let me let me ask you about kind of fast forwarding like you're 28 years old so this hasn't actually been going on that long you transition out of 
just competitions indoor climbing yeah into, into outdoor climbing pretty early yeah, yeah. Um, well I, I wouldn't really necessarily say i transitioned out of comps i did both right like I'm simultaneously sorry, yeah, yeah. Right but way to put it. yeah i did I, I definitely like my focus went from went from like plastic and comps to mainly outdoor climbing and comps mm-hmm. became like a side thing mm-hmm. more so and you basically have been making a living as a climber since, yeah, more since, or less. Since, like, moving on from high school and moving out of the house. Basically, yeah. In- more or less. I mean, the way that I make it work is that I live at home in San Francisco at my dad's house, mm-hmm. rent-free. Right. And so I don't have to... I don't have the financial obligations that most adults do. Well, you, you, if you're traveling all the time... Yeah, I then mean, it... Well, I'd be paying rent somewhere right. that you're not even yeah. there. You yeah, know, yeah, if right. If you're going to be on the road or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was definitely my reality for a good number of years mm-hmm. up until like last year or whatever. But now I'm in the Bay Area a lot more. Okay, but um, that's that's how I've made it work basically. So through sponsorship, and can you actually win any? I mean, substantial amount of money at these competitions. I don't even. I mean, it's no. actually one of the big Basically, holes no. in the enormous is that I don't spend a lot of time on comps. Yeah. So when I get somebody in here, they did you watch the ABS Nationals at all? No. Okay. Sorry. It's exciting. I mean, yeah. I find it exciting because mm-hmm. that's kind of like used to be my world and right. stuff. And I just like it's cool. It's high energy, and. You know, you know a lot of the people competing and stuff, but basically the answer is no. You can't. There's no way you can make a living from comp earnings. Right. I think a lot of some of the euros do if they have. You know, you need you need sponsors too, and you need like incent. You need comp incentives. Right. Like in surfing, if you won, you know, half or even a quarter of the ASP World Tour events, you'd be set for the year. Mm-hmm. But in climbing, there's no way. Right. Like the comp, the prize money just isn't there. Um, and back when I was doing a lot of the comps, there were just a lot more of them. Now in the States, there really aren't that many. Right. Especially ones that you can like win money at. I mean, I guess there's a lot that kind of fly more under the radar. They're, they still offer cash prizes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like there's the whole series of comps on the East Coast, like the Dark Horse and, and that stuff. I mean, it's just like one one comp circuit keeps replacing another and Mm -hmm. it's like i don't know the dark horse ones seem really cool but they're like in boston so it's really far away from yeah i mean well there you go (laughs) it's just a big risk to like a bunch of money on a plane yeah 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 and go there and like yeah it's just not no it's tricky i mean it's it's definitely like an amateur sport in that sense totally totally no one they you you basically need like i don't know like patronage to be able to do things and a lot of these yeah these folks it's their parents i mean that's i think yeah. it seems like it's sort of it's stronger here or not here we're in spain but in the u.s as a junior sport because basically there's like a patronage from your parents totally yeah you know? yeah that's how that's how it works and then you know it breeds the new generation of mm-hmm. of kid crushers and and then they transition to the rocks and you know, climb 14C when they're 14 or 15 right, or whatever. Right. But um. But are they still climbing when they're 25? Who knows? Yeah, I'd say like yeah. Who knows exactly? I mean, some do and some don't. Right. I think that most of the young guns who pursue or who fall in love with climbing and pursue it to like that high of a level where they're climbing like you know 
the highest level that someone their age does. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to love it enough to stick with it through thick and thin, even if they get a little burnout on right. it, you know, when they're partying in high school or whatever or in college, like... I mean, who knows, you know, mm-hmm. people find other interest, interests, people mm-hmm. get wrapped up in stuff, but a lot of the best comp climbers in the States and in Europe too, like even the freaking Adam Andra is like a full-time student. Right. Yeah. It's like, you can't, you know, if you're dedicated enough, if, and if you love something enough, you'll find time for it. It's kind of like a almost famous thing, you know, the, what do you love about music? But when did you figure that out? Like... Again, you, you had to have made some sort of life decision, early twenties, uh-huh. or maybe you're still working on it. Oh, I definitely am. But like, yeah, <laughs> what? It's kind of a as an adult, it's a little. We just talked about it, it's a little bit of a bleak outlook, right? You know, what are you gonna do? You're gonna live at home. Mm-hmm. You're gonna <laughs> cobble together some sponsorship money. Mm-hmm. You know, the dream of just being able to climb all the time, that lasts for a little while. Right. But then there's also the dream of like, well, maybe I'd like to own something and yeah, like to have yeah, a place yeah. that's my house. Build a life. Like, yeah. So, yeah. you know, before we get to the now now, but, you know, was there a moment or did it just kind of like you were on a wave that, that you know, this is the life you found once you got out, uh, out on your own, so to speak? I think it's the life I found once mm-hmm. I got it on my own. Yeah. I mean... You were good at climbing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's like the easy part. Climbing is the easy part. Like, wondering whether I'm doing the right thing is the hard part. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, just, I guess I've just been riding the same wave that I caught the first day I walked into Mission Cliffs, and it's grown and shrunk over the years, you mm-hmm. know, many times over, and... um you know, I don't think I'll ever. I'll, I don't think I'll ever jump off completely. I think it'll always be a part of my life. But yeah, it's like it's hard. Um, but you know, Spencer, Vicky, and I were talking about this just today. We were having a little philosophy class over in Caljeral. Uh, I'm staying right now, just across the street, basically from where Chris is staying. Also within direct line of, fire of from noise the, waves from the, the bell, the bell. <laughs> which chimes once every 15 once the first 15 minutes on the hour twice at 30 minutes well actually it's not 15 minutes it's 13 minutes yeah right it's a couple it's minutes, minutes late off. 28 minutes and 43 minutes and then at the hour it chimes the mm-hmm. hour sometimes it chimes four times and then the hour and sometimes it just chimes the hour. It's, it's kind of random. I'm sure there's a science to it, but there's, we haven't figured it out. The randomness of it is actually yeah. as infuriating as the rest of it. Because you're just like, well, the last hour, it, uh, uh, if it was Come more on. regular, I would still feel better about yeah. it, even if it was noisier. I think you and have to pay closer attention it to it. It out in the morning. <laughs> really? It's, yeah. it's like, get up, get yeah, up, get, get up. up. It's 8 o'clock. Anyway. If it was the States, it would be like 5.30. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, exactly. It does shut down at midnight, though, till 7. Oh really? Yeah. I feel like some nights it. it no. Oh okay. It, you would know. It it does yeah. the last twelve at midnight, then it wakes you up at seven. Okay. Okay. And then it freaks out at eight to really get your ass out of bed. <laughs> I haven't been paying as close attention to it as you have. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm closer to it. You can see it from my house. Yeah, we're literally looking right at it. It's right across the street, and it's probably only a hundred and fifty feet away. So. All right, tell me your friend's it's the project bane. Again. It, we'll call it Bane. Yeah, it's the, the bane. bane of 
Chris's yeah. existence these days. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, we're staying also within earshot of, of the bell, but just across the street a little further away. Um, yeah, I'm staying with James Lucas, Senor Peaches. You're right. And um, our friends Spencer and Vicky from the RV Project. Cool. Yeah. So you were saying that you were talking to them philosophy yeah, well, we just got like off on the bell tangent, right. which will happen again in fifteen minutes. <laughs> yeah, probably thirteen now. Um, well, we were, we were talking about a lot of stuff, but it's just all you know, all life, and it's all related. But we were talking about climbing and basically just getting out what you put into it, and uh, I think that's like a philosophy that can be carried over to every aspect of your life. You know, it's like a how bad do you want it? B, like, how much work are you willing to put into it and see, you know, what what's the outcome of that work or whatever. And uh, so I think you can make it as much or as little of your life as you want to. And, you know, you see guys or you see, you know, men and women, professional climbers, really, like, go, like pursuing the life of a professional climber wholeheartedly. And, you know, and you see it paying off and you see a lot of really, really talented, um, climbers who aren't professional or maybe they're somewhere, you know, in that gray area, they get product or they get a little bit of, you know, comp incentives or media incentives or whatever. And they don't, you know, they see it as just their, you know, distraction from their other priority, which is their main thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So you kind of, yeah, you just, you, you get out of it what you put into it. And I think I could certainly be doing a lot more. I could be putting a lot more into it and probably getting a lot more out of it. I could be putting my whole life into it if I want, but I'm not right now. <laughs> what are you doing instead? I mean, you're here in Spain like you're... Yeah, I'm here in Spain and I'm climbing yeah. full time and, right. you know... I have sponsors that are super supportive and mm -hmm. I have a whole community behind me and, um, but you know, I have like, I think I have, I have tons of time, you know, there's no denying that. And I definitely don't use my time like as effectively as I could with, you know, writing and stuff like that. And I think I have, I don't know, I think I have a pretty unique voice for someone who's been doing this thing for 20 years now and has been all over the world and has a lot of cool stories to tell. And I'm not really doing a great job of like telling those stories as often or as effectively as I could be. And, um, yeah, just selling myself basically mm -hmm. as, as a brand, but also just, you know, inspiring people right. as much as I could. So what's holding you back? I mean, where are you at? Like, have you got one foot in something else or? Well, I mean, what, what kind we, of. What are we talking about here? Have you gotten lazy? <laughs> gotten lazy? Yeah. I think I was lazy to well, begin with. you know, I mean, there probably comes to a, comes a point at which, you know, there was, you were this prodigy to a certain mm -hmm. extent. Yeah. You know, your sort of ability spoke for itself. Yeah. And there's probably came a time or is that coming a time. That phase is over. Yeah, where yeah. it's like, okay, what else have you got? I mean, yeah. is, that, is that sort of where you are? I mean, that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where I've been for a good number of years now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there was a time in my life where you know I was near the top level of 
sport climbers maybe or boulders probably not at the top but somewhere close by sure. now i'm not yeah mix. in the mix and I, I think i'm still in the mix and i think i still have you know a lot of fun ascents under my belt hopefully mm-hmm. you know i still i hope so <laughs> i still i still think that i can do harder climbs than i've ever done before if i put my mind to it but um yeah i guess um i've never had a really strong work ethic and i've never like just sacrificing a lot of my time and energy for something that isn't just a rock climb that i can't just like see the top of Mm -hmm. and say okay i can you know identify the obstacles of this i can see what how much work i need to put into this to you know finish it um and i can see it through to the end you know that's fun work like climbing a rock is is not work really for me it's just the only thing i know but you know all the other stuff telling my story inspiring people the stuff that like i really want to do now that mm-hmm. i'm not at the top of my game or maybe i'm you know at the top of my game still but i'm not like a cutting edge level rock climber necessarily anymore um i mean i'm still i think i still like you know have a lot to put into it in terms of just pure climbing and stuff but there's a lot more i could be doing with it basically mm-hmm. yeah and i've just yeah i've been struggling with that a lot lately I mean, I've, I think I've been struggling with it in one way or another since I was a little kid uh-huh. because I always hated school. I always hated putting lots of work into homework or studying for tests or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really like carried over into my quote unquote professional life. Mm-hmm. Jesus, I'm almost like afraid for people to hear this now, but. <laughs> well, yeah, because I, we just sort of ran it into a corner. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to start lecturing you is what yeah. I was about to do. Like, get your shit together. Pringle. Uh, no, I know. I've been don't, don't worry. I've been lecturing myself really? plenty lately. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that because you know <laughs> years ago I noticed that like you know there's these certain sports and we actually mentioned skateboarding already mm-hmm. in this. Um, I think snowboarding to a certain extent that really like <clears throat> kind of eats athletes up. And sort of spits them out mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. super physical, it's super physical yeah. to do the biggest, baddest shit. You're going to injure yourself eventually. I mean, every once in a while, somebody makes it through like, a, um, Sean, what's his nugget with the red hair snowboard. Right. Yeah. Like Sean white, you know, has this longevity, <laughs> has this long, this longevity yeah, to his right. career. Like, yeah. you know, Tony Hawk had this longevity to Kelly his career. Kelly Slater. But in when it, for every one of those guys, this the thing yeah. it just chewed them up, yeah, and there yeah, was yeah. you know like a kid like you who they they came and they they gave him sponsorships and all of it, and yeah, then all yeah, of a yeah. sudden he gets injured and that's the end of it. And who knows yeah. what he's doing now because we yeah. don't care. Sport, I mean, climbing was never like that, but it's I think in the last, I mean, again, as your generation came up and these following young yeah. kid generations, I mean. It's like, how long do you last at the top? Mm-hmm. You know, you had a serious injury. Yeah. That sidelined you for how long? Basically a year. Right. Yeah. What was it? I tore my labrum at uh, an ABS Nationals in Boulder. Okay. Yeah. Fully tore it. Right. On this, on like the last finals problem. And uh, yeah, it brought up a lot of questions like, well, f- the first question was, will I ever be able to climb hard again, mm-hmm. you know? And 
I answered that question, you know, after I had the surgery, after I did rehab, after I started climbing again, after I came back to it and I realized I could keep like I that was the first time I went back to school after high school was because I thought my professional climbing career was just over. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of ironic, too, because right when I hurt myself, I think I'd like just started like I I'd just gotten a new sponsor or like one of my sponsors just started paying me a little bit more. And I was earning like more money than I ever had. Right. Right. Like when I hurt myself. And then I was just like, you know, now I'm useless mm-hmm. to my sponsors, basically. And so I went back to school and um, did that for three semesters. And then as soon as I was, like, at the top of my game again and having a blast again, I just dropped out again and hit the road again. Uh-huh. Yeah. What were you going to study? I was just taking a bunch of different classes. Right. I took a really cool oceanography class, some like anthropology classes, um, and then just like core curriculum classes mm-hmm. that I kind of hated. Right. Like, you know, English stuff you have B to get or whatever, right. and like U.S. history. Sure. Yeah. And a few others like that. And a few others that were fun. I tried to mm-hmm. take a piano class, I didn't stick with it at all. <laughs> but maybe someday. You have this realization or you understand this thing of like, Mm -hmm. there's a point at which you're going to have to make some sort of choice. Yeah. And when you injured your shoulder, you were like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. I better. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I mean, you're 28, like, you know, it's not like you're over the hill and there's nothing left to do. No, of course not. And I'm still, I'm still just as inspired by pure climbing as Mm -hmm. I was when I was a little kid. Right. I still love it like a lot and uh i don't think i'll ever stop loving it maybe i, I might you know prior reprioritize my life at some point mm-hmm. and you know put my ducks in a row for some other you know make room for other things basically but um but yeah i guess i the reason i haven't the reason i've just kind of wandered down the same path for years and years is because i haven't really had to do anything else right Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, dude. I mean, to talk to this person. <laughs> I, I come from a very privileged, like, family, I guess, in a mm-hmm. way. You know, it's like my parents could have been like, "No, you're not. You're not living at our house for free." Right. You know, go yeah, get go a job. go. Yeah, get a real job. Go back to school. I mean, right. my mom has like encouraged me to go back to school and um, to take different career paths and do different stuff and i don't know it's just like hard work and and real sacrifice i never really like i didn't you know i didn't go to college straight out of high school and i didn't finish college and i just never really learned like a str- i never really learned to like work super hard for things that i either wanted or didn't want mm-hmm. like well, the climbing part comes easy for me basically I think I could climb a lot better if I worked at it, but... Right. Well, God damn it, Ethan, you're fucking up my entire philosophy around climbing that, like, it teaches you to sacrifice for yeah. a goal and everything yeah. else. You're messing it all up. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's start again. Well, I think that's, I think that's true for a lot of people. But for you, it's, it, it, it's, that's the, that's like the easy part. Well, look, it. like, I can, you know, I can come to Spain without having trained much and probably send my project i mean i'm gonna need to extend my ticket probably to send it but like but 
you know, there are a lot harder climbs on mm-hmm. the same cliff that I'm trying as, you know, my pro- like harder climbs than my project that right. also inspire me that I would love to be strong enough to do. And maybe, you know, if I had made more time in my life before I came on this trip to train really freaking hard in the gym and, um, you know, maybe I'd be on them instead. I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly happy trying the climb that I'm trying and mm-hmm. I'm, I wouldn't say like every minute of the process on it has been like nothing but kittens and rainbows and like fun times. Like the, I've, I've had, you know, I've entertained doubts about like, do I have the strength to send this on this trip? Do I have enough time? Like, do I even want to keep trying this? Right. Like, do I want to go and try easier stuff right. that I know I can do? Well, dude, you're the whole thing right here. <laughs> this, this is it because yeah. that's what I always wonder about, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people who, who listen to the show, they, they by this time have a feel for what kind of climber I am, you know, and for What me, kind of climber are you? Well, for me, sport climbing, I, I always say that like, you know, sport climbing is like the, the chocolate cake and <laughs> like... For me, like trad mm-hmm. climbing and big root climbing yeah. is like the big juicy hamburger. Like uh-huh. the chocolate cake is awesome, yeah, but really you can't live on it. Like for me, mm-hmm. I gotta have the yeah, big yeah, burger, yeah, right? yeah. But I love it and I yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, and, and I'm here on a sport climbing trip, like yeah. unequivocally, Just like love it. Mowing down the chocolate cake, right? But I don't. I have a trouble like banging my head up against a long term project, like this idea yeah. of coming here. Uh huh. But what I'm interested in is, you know, as your life is, is gone on and, and you, you like pick these projects, you know, does it start to seem like work? Are you like walking in here and like punching the card? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's because for me, really quickly, yeah. it gets to the point where I'm just like, well, yeah, I wake up in the morning and it's yeah. like, oh, another day I got to go do this thing. Yeah. I don't have that in me. I admire people that do, and I'm not in any way uh, disparaging that because, you know, some of the people I admire most in climbing, that's one of the things I admire about them is their, that they... Their tenacity. Yeah, they can just keep with it. trying. Yeah. And I realize sure. that that For in sure. and of itself yeah. is a skill, and we've talked about it on that mm-hmm. show. However, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're 28 <laughs> right now or you're 35, eventually, you know that the arc of getting better every time or trying a harder project every time is going to go over. Right. So, (laughs) you know, what then, what, what then is that Uh still going to be something that inspires you or is it going to be like, Oh, I got to go to Spain again to try. (laughs) Well, what is your Reina Mora? What are you trying right now? I'm trying Lorena Mora right now. Yeah. Oh, I got to go back to Spain another (laughs) season to try that. I mean, look at Danny Andrada and fucking Rambla, right? Yeah. Like that thing is, hanging over his head like a freaking guillotine so anyway can you talk to that like where that is yeah for sure for sure is it still like i mean can you keep doing it (laughs) i mean not forever right right because like at a certain point like you said like you're gonna start trying easier things and i mean maybe some people can can find joy in that find find joy in sticking with a long-term project that they knew they could have done you know in half the time however many years ago or whatever right right. um i hope i hope that'll be me someday i don't know i mean jesus that sounds like a sad kind of a sad 
prospect for like being in that space as a professional climber. Well, maybe by then I won't, you know, my label won't be just professional climber. It'll mm-hmm. be something else, something similar to professional climber, but something that provides me with more outlets, you know, different outlets besides just going and banging my head against the wall right. on the same piddly little sport climber boulder or whatever. Right. Um, but you said like, you know, is it work? Does it feel like work to go and like, it? does it feel like I'm punching in sometimes to go try the project? Yeah, shit, yeah. Um, especially now in this phase of my life where I'm like questioning the path that I'm on more and yeah, just who I want to be, what basically what I want to put into climbing and what I want to get out of it. Right. Yeah. It's like you put like I think every climber puts pressure on themselves to send something that they know they can do. Mm-hmm. Um because you probably wouldn't try something if you if you didn't think you had any chance of doing it. Sure. And eventually after you start trying it, at some point if you keep trying it, you're going to realize that you're going that you're capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. That's when you really start entertaining doubt and like just putting pressure on yourself, unneeded pressure and, and allowing like external factors to influence your decision making and stuff. And yeah, it's like, I, I've been, I've been noticing like, you know, I notice certain Instagram entities reposting pictures of me on Lorena Mora and whatever saying oh he's so close like you know he's gonna do it any day now or whatever and it's like god i I wonder like should i have like kept it a secret that i was trying this route you can't (laughs) have you been to el pati on a fucking like good conditions day yeah yeah you can't keep it secret i'm afraid no (laughs) not i guess not no well there's like a photographer (laughs) jugging up the line every time you turn around we're making it sound so like quintessentially sceney yeah it's really not like that on a lot of days, but right. some days are like that. Yeah, yeah. The on the I've weekends. Are, yeah, on the weekends, so. it's like that for sure. But there's also this uh, new sort of scene that I've, or this thing that I've been seeing your name involved with it, which is sort of big expedition and mm-hmm. and, yeah. and adventure yeah, climbing, yeah, as yeah. we like to call it, which warms my heart. You Good. Know, that I'm you're glad. Like, you're like, yeah. oh, not you know. You just said a piddly sport climb. <laughs> I love sport climbing. Just as a quick disclaimer, I know (laughs) it's chocolate cake to me too. But it, it, yeah. But all you want is chocolate cake. But uh, (laughs) I mean, and that's the thing is 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 in my heart of hearts. At the end of the day, um, I'm I'm yeah. You know, I'm that guy where I'm just like, yeah, it's just a sport climb. Yeah, and that's fine. Like I said, it's just who I am. But you become you've like in the last couple years like gone after a couple expeditions like how did that come about like what what's the thinking michael there? becky mountain yeah. hardware mm-hmm. yeah just um meeting michael becky through our connection with mountain hardware having that mutual sponsor i think it was john dickey's idea to put mike and i together because okay. he, he he knew john or like john knew mike and and john was like oh man you know this guy michael becky like i think you guys would have a blast together on an expedition like we should you know here's a couple locations that i've been thinking about going with mike and um unfortunately you know my john mike and i have still not gone on any on any expeditions but i've been lucky enough to go on a couple with mike and um the first one we the first big one we went on which before which we had never actually climbed together was to greenland and it was 
freaking rad. It was like the coolest trip I've ever been on. It was the most remote place by far that I've ever been. Well, I don't. I think it's the, about the remote, most remote place you can actually be. <laughs> One of them for you sure. Know, short yeah. of like South South or uh, Antarctica or like yeah the North Pole. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's out there for sure. It's about as far away from. Civilization what were you guys doing? You so Angie came too. Angie Payne, oh, right, who right. you interviewed. You know, I think she talked about it in, mm-hmm. in the interview that you did with her, and. um that was rad to have have her there. Angie and I have been friends for a long time, just from the junior comps and sure. everything. Mm-hmm. And um, kind of the like the angle or whatever for hardware was to like, you know, throw Angie and I in with Mike and just kind of like, you know, right. have him mentor, like, be kind of our expedition yeah, mentor. He's like, I mean, I'd love to have him on the show yeah, too, but he's you should. Like he's a riot. I love the that expedition guy. master. Like totally. comes up with these crazy totally. ideas about yeah. these crazy places to go and where it's yeah, and mask he goes for it. Does it yeah, and that sort of thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and so yeah, we went with um with him and with Keith Lazinski mm-hmm. and just had a freaking blast. And uh, we brought crash pads because that that was like Angie's main focus was mm-hmm. to go to, go on this crazy expedition to Greenland and go bouldering. And it just so happened that. The place we ended up, which wasn't the place we initially intended to end up, but it was a different place because the sea ice had melted and we sure. couldn't, you know, go on out in the open ocean with the boat we had and stuff. Um, so we ended up in a different location, and uh, it just so happened that there were like awesome boulders, like right where our base camp was, and then around below the cirque of towers, there were awesome boulders. So um, we did some bouldering for a few days, and then. Mike and I, independently of one another, saw this line on like the biggest tower in the Cirque that was just like begging to be climbed. It was like this corner system kind of dihedral thing that went from the ground all the way to the top of the tower. And it was like, I had never seen a line like that on a wall that big. And so we climbed it and we did it kind of in capsule style or whatever, I guess. But yeah, it was freaking epic had you ever done anything like that before um in terms of like big wall climbing and not so much i mean i've been trad climbing for a good number of years and mostly single pitch stuff like so it's um, like sport trad like trying really hard things exactly to have gear on them exactly yeah yeah. like on the front range like i made a dedicated trip to the front range to do like a lot of the like 13 plus 514 like hard trad climbs sure. even though they were more like sport climbs because yeah, then I went to Indian Creek and just totally got my butt handed to me well I mean it, it, it's the trad labels we don't have to go into yeah. it that much but it gets thrown around but when you right. when you do these uh, these one pitch gear protected climbs, sport climbs I always say you're approaching them like a sport climb so yeah they happen to have gear on them but right, you, know, right, you get right. it all sorted yeah, out yeah, yeah. You know exactly it's kind of like a head point or something so, yeah but so but this is the first time you've done anything really big like that and, um, and I mean I'd done like or? half dome okay. I'd never bivvied on a wall right. but like I had done some longer routes in the valley so what did you get out of that what did you get out of this expedition just I mean we we, we did like the proudest ascent I've ever done in my life mm-hmm. yeah it was totally epic and you ate um, the hamburger Oh man, we you fucking ate, like, ate the big old yeah, hamburgers. What yeah. you're trying to tell me? Yeah, we we ate like four buns or four burgers and right. threw away the bun. Yeah, we we and with bacon and cheese yeah. and onions and the lot. Yeah, um, we did the first three pitches 
like on individual days mm-hmm. and fix lines up to this like ledge system about 600 feet up the wall 600 feet up like a 3000 foot tower and then after that we jugged our lines and we we're you know going to blast alpine staller or whatever and um we didn't have sleeping bags and we didn't have um you know all we had was the clothes we were wearing and a backpack with a bunch of water and some food in it and then yeah we blasted and I I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I guess I expected it to take us less time. But it took us like a full three days to do it, basically. And there was pretty much no sleeping happening. Because well, there was no nighttime. Well, no, there was nighttime. Oh, there was? Yeah, because it was August. Oh, it wasn't okay. like right at the summer solstice. I think it, it was it was rad because we got to see the northern lights right. a couple nights. Oh, okay. So Actually, like a few hours of dark. Yeah, yeah. More than a few. Probably like four five six hours okay. something like that yeah but it was cool because when, when we we're once we were high enough up the wall we could see like the light kind of traversing um the horizon mm-hmm. like we could see a little bit of daylight like on the horizon like going across the sky and then the sun would come back up but it was definitely dark for right. a few hours but um yeah we blasted up this wall and it was there was a lot of really scary choss and there was a lot of really good like rock too you know, it was like pitches up to, I don't know, 12 minus or something mm-hmm. and um, just questing like up. And yeah, we spent two nights and three days on the wall, basically topped out on the third morning and didn't really sleep. We we kind of tried to sleep our first night and then our second night, I, I just kept climbing right. through the night. Right. Yeah. I, I dropped a Jumar at one point and it like fell down the wall and Lebecki caught it. Like it felt like the whole 200 meter pitch that I just climbed mm-hmm. and it bounced off to the side. And I was like, oh, fuck, there it goes. Like there goes my Jumar. We only have one set now. Mm-hmm. And then it hit it. It hit another little corner and bounced right back towards Lebecki. And I could see him like down there, like lining it up and he snatches it out of the air. <laughs> it's like he didn't break his hand. Well, it broke his finger. Oh, it did. Yeah, okay. yeah, it broke his index finger or fractured it. Oh, really? Yeah. So he couldn't he couldn't climb anymore. He couldn't uh-huh. lead anymore. So I had to do like the last eight pitches in a row or whatever. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. It was fun for me, yeah. but unfortunate for him. Totally. Yeah. But well, I had never, I had never drilled a bolt by hand. Mm-hmm. Did that quite a few number of times, and yeah. So you learned a lot. Yeah, for sure. Right. On. Yeah, and it was, it was just an amazing experience to, to come away with, and left me definitely wanting more, more of that type of of thing. So you are at this crossroads. You're deciding. I mean, honestly, it sounds like you're deciding, like, what's next? Am I going to yeah. stay this professional rock climber? But you've had this glimpse into into expeditions. Yeah. What I'm struggling with is learning how to put more of myself into it so mm-hmm. that I can get... So that I can just have it be something that's a little bit more fulfilling. And something that when I come away with it, like, I'm talking about the whole professional climbing thing. Mm-hmm. Um Cause you know, we all need, like, I really want it to be my main thing and my job and everything, but I just haven't quite learned how to like put that type of effort into it yet, but I really want to so that I can like also enjoy time away from it and have some other passions and stuff and enjoy that time too. And not feel like, but there's this and this and this that I could be doing right now Mm -hmm. that I'm ignoring, like in my, you know, professional climbing life or whatever. Right. Well, I mean, it's like, it seems like there's, it's an endless, I mean, even with the Enormacast, like 
there's there's endless amounts of right. avenues that I could be right. pursuing. Yeah. To try to like like Reddit hype it up or <laughs> get it better. Like Reddit, we, we yeah. were talking before I started recording. We we're talking about my my inability to be involved with Reddit. But yeah, I mean, I guess it's I guess yeah, I mean, I guess it's really just up to you. Yeah. So what's the? Uh, you know, let me ask you the last question. Then what's the? You know, if you had it perfect, what's the dream? What's what's? <laughs> you know, this is like some sort of uh, job interview. But what's like the five-year <laughs> plan? What's the outlook? I guess like, I mean, money is not my biggest concern. I guess I'm I'm in like a small category of people in the world who don't and almost have never had to worry about money. I've never like had big money woes or anything. Um, knock on wood. But I don't know if the way that I've been, you know, pursuing my career around professional climbing, like I don't know if that's been like as satisfying and as fulfilling as I'd like it to be. So if I could, you know, figure out ways to, it's funny I've actually thought about doing like hosting a podcast sort of thing. Forget it, dude. Okay. There's only room for one. No, it's, it's a pain in the ass. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I just like, like to figure out ways to share more of myself and mm -hmm. be creative. So what do you think has to happen for you to, like, <laughs> to make these things? To um, make these, well, I these think the first step happen. is like just taking more time for myself, um, paying attention paying closer attention to myself and stuff like I've I don't know I've been like just spread really thin recently um I, I didn't I didn't know if I would like mention this during the the interview or, or or not but my dad had a stroke um like just about a year and a half ago and um so I also like you know simultaneously kind of fell in love with this girl and um we you know, I've had a relationship and, um, in a lot of ways, like that, all that stuff, like turned my life upside down. And, um, I was already spread sort of thin or I felt like I was and like not having a lot of time to like put work into things that I was passionate about, like storytelling and stuff and writing and, and all that. And now with like more sort of, I wouldn't say responsibilities, but like just having my life in even more places now. Yeah. It's just even harder to make time for myself, but I've never been good at that. I've never been good at like making time to, uh, examine myself and just like be by myself and be with myself. And I don't know if I really needed to as much when I was like a kid and a teenager and someone in their early twenties, but now that like, <laughs> I guess real life has caught up with me more. I feel like I need to, I need to like just take better care of myself basically. So it's got, it's gotten more complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, life has and where yeah. climbing fits in has. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm like struggling a lot with the question that you asked me of how the climbing community fits into mm -hmm. my life now. Right. Yeah. But I think I have, I don't know, I have a pretty good gift for storytelling and it's, I've, I've definitely have a little bit of guilt associated with not like 
making the most of that sure recently so i'm gonna try to all right <laughs> but i'm I'm still discovering how to like how to work and sacrifice for that you've made a start towards that here i mean you've been really candid i appreciate that <laughs> this is this is the expose yeah it's awesome yeah. um but i want to thank you for coming on i want to thank you for being so candid and You're welcome. I, I mean i totally wish you luck i thanks I appreciate the fact that you're talking about these struggles because I, I honestly believe that as I kind of said earlier it seems like climbing is becoming this sport where it's younger and younger you're kind of forced to make these choices mm -hmm. in terms of like well mm -hmm. I'm not going to be climbing hard forever yeah what's my next step so I, I really appreciate you sort of sharing that because it's you know yeah definitely and again you're you're in that you're that first generation you're like this <laughs> Honestly, I, you don't see it, I don't think, but from my perspective, like, we we feel like climbing gyms have been here forever, but they haven't. They've been here for about 20 years. Yeah. Which is when you started. Yeah. You know? And you guys are the first generation of, of kids who started and became phenoms, you know, kicked ass and then are on the other side of it. Right. And... It, it seems so stereotypical, but it's, but it's, it's kind of real. You guys are, yeah, yeah. It's 20, 20 years out. Yeah. You know, you said Mission Cliffs was 20, you know, was just, had just started when you were 10. So you're 28. So yeah. 18, 19 years for these gyms. So it's an interesting totally. thing. Europe, it's been a little bit ahead of us, but. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, pro professional climbing was like the thing that I wanted to do most when right. I was 12. That was like, I was like, yeah. I know. And it, this is it, awesome. Like, this is what I want to do. It existed then, and it still right. is hardly a viable totally. option. So. Who knew? Yeah. yeah. So. Anyway, I appreciate it. I think You're it's welcome. a really great glimpse into what what it's like, because we all think, yeah, you guys are making millions of dollars or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we don't, but... Some people might. Yeah, so... We're not. Well, well, good luck here in Spain. Thanks. And thanks for sitting down. Welcome. Folks, thanks for listening. I want to thank Ethan for sitting down. He was a little concerned before and after the interview that maybe he was a little too open and revealing, but I assured him that the Enormacast listenership was quite mature and would understand that. To reveal some of your weaknesses like that is actually a sign of strength and character. So, again, thanks a lot, Ethan, for sharing that with us, that insight into the uh, struggles behind being a professional climber. And thanks for being that mature audience. If you want to help this thing keep going, as you know from listening, you can go to enormacast.com, click on the Help Out tab, see what you can do to uh, further the cause at the Enormacast. Keep me stoked, keep me doing this thing, even on my rest days here in Spain. So, home soon. Hopefully see you at Red Rock Rendezvous. And don't forget to check your knot. <laughs>